This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Sarah Hale, H-A-L-E, was the lady who was responsible for our having Thanksgiving as a national holiday. Perhaps you've never heard her name before. She was the editor of a woman's magazine in Philadelphia. She sent letters to all the governors of the states and territories asking them to set apart the last Thursday in November for a national Thanksgiving Day. She was disappointed, however, that so few paid any attention to her. Year after year, though, she kept on writing. And finally, after the Battle of Gettysburg, she wrote to President Lincoln. It was President Abraham Lincoln who finally set aside a special day for the national holiday of Thanksgiving. And since that time, each president sets aside a special day with a presidential proclamation. Sometimes if you want to go on the computer, perhaps you can read the whole thing. It's rather lengthy, so I'm not going to take time to read it now, but it's a very fascinating and interesting proclamation that Abraham Lincoln wrote for the year 1863. Thanksgiving might well be our most truly sacred festival of the year in some respects. Although it's growing more and more overshadowed by Christmas season, Yet it is a season which seems to be largely unspoiled by either a Santa Claus or an Easter bunny, which have dangers of diverting attention from these other celebrations away from their real purpose. Thanksgiving gives us an opportunity to do as the psalmist instructed us, offer unto God thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You find those words in the 50th and the 136th Psalms. As we enter now our season of Thanksgiving, we have before us once again an opportunity to make the most of the true feeling of gratitude to God. This is an experience which I fear all too many of us miss each year, or at least we miss the maximum joys which a true observance of this season could well bring to each of us. This is the reason when there's a temptation, or it's the season rather, when we allow feasting and football and festivities to result in forgetfulness to God. This morning I want us to look at three characteristics of a proper observance of this season of Thanksgiving. If we truly are to live our thanks as well as give thanks to God. First thing I would say is that thanks living is intelligent. The more we really understand who God is, the more we can properly render our thanks to Him. Many childish ideas about God as a super Santa can result in a less than mature Christian expression of thanks. Some people conceive of God as being sort of a celestial combination of a, of a blank signed check and a mail order catalog. Perhaps you've heard of one boxer some time ago who claimed to have God in his corner to the extent that he was able successfully to beat his opponent into insensibility. Some people, hopefully not too many, but some may approach this season with no more intelligent concept of what this is all about 
than a man you may remember seeing on television called Archie Bunker, who explained to some small children how Thanksgiving began. And as you know, Archie Bunker had his own way, biased <laughs> way of putting things. Here's what he said. When them early pilgrims looked at the calendar, they saw that Thanksgiving was just a few days off. So one of them guys named Miles Sandwich decided that they had to have a big dinner. So he went out looking for something to eat. He couldn't get a cow or a horse or anything else. Only thing he saw was a turkey in the yard that was so fat till he couldn't fly. So he took that bird home for dinner. And then Archie went on to explain how the turkey was prepared for eating. I don't think I'll go into all that from the pulpit though. I heard, I heard some years ago about a gambler who presented his minister with a sizable check for the church, explaining that he had enjoyed an unusually good day at the racetrack. He wanted to show his gratitude to God for helping him to pick the right horses. I think so much of our dealing with God is lacking in intelligence. You may have heard a man, uh, I think he called him Joe, was driving down the street in a sweat because he had an important meeting. He couldn't find a parking place. So looking up toward heaven, he said, Lord, please take pity on me. If you'll just find me a parking place, I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life, and I'll even give up drinking. Miraculously, a parking place suddenly appeared. Joe looked up to heaven again and said, God, uh, never mind, I found one all by myself. So, some people are about that lacking in intelligence when they think about thanking God. These ideas of God are childish, even more misleading. They can cause some difficult questions to arise in our minds if we just think of God as uh, being in superficial terms. God is not an automatic dispensing machine. He does not throw down a blessing when we automatically do the right thing or pull the proper strings. No, God's blessings come to us not on the basis of things we do that are right, but rather because of the very nature of God himself. God is love, and he desires to show this love to us. So beautifully expressed in 1 John 4, 9, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we, through him, might have life. Anytime we show love to God, we do it in return of a love which He's already shown to us. The great thing is not how much we love God, but how much He loves us. John goes on to say that the love I speak of is not our love for God, but the love He showed to us in sending His Son as a remedy for the defilement of our sins. That's verse 10 of 1 John chapter 4. You see, love, our love, is always love in return. We never do initiate the love. God's already done that. He did the first act. And when we give God our love or give Him our thanks, it is always in a spirit of returning what He has already given to us. I think that's why we have the phrase which we use sometimes in referring to the prayer before meals. Sometimes it's called, would you return thanks for us? This means returning our love to God. Oh, what an appropriate time this is to express to God our feeling of thanks. 
just before we eat. One day many years ago, a Minnesota photographer heard a knock at his door. He opened the door and found a poor elderly peddler standing there with a few articles to sell. The, photogra <coughs> the photographer, whose name was Eric Enstrom, said to the man, I'm just ready to sit down at the table for dinner. Would you come in and join me? Well, the shy, aged peddler hesitantly stepped inside the house, and soon he was seated at the table at the urging of the artist. Then the photographer's mind lit up with a creative idea. He said, uh, before we eat our meal, would you be so kind as to pose over here at this little smaller table? The peddler was so happy to cooperate with this man who had shown him already such warm-hearted Scandinavian hospitality. And so the artist Enstrom placed this elderly man before this small table on which was placed a large family Bible and on it a pair of old-fashioned spectacles. Beside the Bible, the photographer set a bowl of soup, a loaf of bread, and a knife. There, he sighed with great artistic satisfaction. And now, sir, may I ask you, if you will, would you bow your head in prayer? The peddler did not need any coaching when it came to the matter of prayer. He folded his calloused hands together, rested his forehead on his thumbs, and silently returned thanks for the food that was set before him. When Mr. Enstrom developed the negative, he knew he had a very special picture. It seemed to say, this man does not have much of earthly goods, but he has more than most people. He has a thankful heart. Eric Enstrom produced hundreds and thousands of copies of this picture, which he simply named Grace. Its quiet message is still being heard around the world wherever eyes are focused on this old man with a thankful heart. When our thanksgiving is translated into thanksgiving, then it will be intelligent, not necessarily grandiose or flowery, but genuinely intelligent. Let me mention a second characteristic about this thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is positive. Some people here probably will remember a song. I think I mentioned this a few Sundays ago. Back in the days of World War II, I remember it as a little boy. It said, you've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Oh, we all have a danger to dwell too much on the negative in giving thanks to God, don't we? We're grateful, when rightly so, for many bad things that did not happen to us in this past year. We who live here in the Myrtle Beach area might well be saying how grateful we are that hurricanes have not hit us as hard as they have hit some places, people living elsewhere. There are thousands of people throughout our nation that are without jobs. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world who do not enjoy the degree of health that most people listening to my voice right now are blessed with. Sometimes our thanksgiving is confined to a listing of things that did not happen to us. But the pilgrims who celebrated that first thanksgiving were not grateful only that they had survived the perils of life in a raw and new environment, 
They did not say, well, we really could be worse off, so I suppose we ought to be thankful. Oh, no. Their attitude of gratitude was based rather on a positive feeling, thanks to God for the blessings he had given to them. You know the story of Helen Keller, perhaps. She once said, I have so much to be thankful for. And when we hear her say things like that, we wonder why. Why was this woman who could neither see nor hear so thankful? It's because she truly felt that way. She did not come to the conclusion after thinking about all the bad things that could be worse for her. If we withhold our thanksgiving until we've added up the blessings one side and the hardships on another, making sure that the blessings outnumber the hardships, then we have an improper attitude toward God, to say the least. That's like our saying to God, God, I will love you only if you're good to me on my terms. Our thanksgiving can carry over into a new way of life, not only thanksgiving, but thanks living. But it is essential that we make it a positive matter. Let me mention just one more characteristic of true thanks living. It is active. This is really the whole point about this matter of our living our thanks. God appreciates what we say in response to his goodness to us. But he looks with even more favor, I think, upon our actions in response based on our feelings of gratitude. There's an old Chinese legend, and let me underscore the word legend, about a rich merchant, merchant who was saved from drowning in the Yangtze River, saved by a poor rice farmer. To show his gratitude to the farmer, this wealthy businessman set aside one day each year on the anniversary of his accident and near drowning to visit the humble home of this farmer and there to burn incense to the gods as an act of thanksgiving. On one such visit, many years after the incident, the merchant found this poor farmer with a sick child in his arms. The village physician had said that the only thing that would save that child from death was a potion made of some rare, expensive herbs. When the farmer asked this rich merchant if he could help secure these herbs for the child, the merchant answered, Oh, but you do not understand. I have come to your home to thank you for saving my life and to offer sacrifices to the gods on your behalf. The next year, the merchant found the farmer's wife shivering in the cold with no coat to keep her warm. <clears throat> when the farmer pointed out how cold his wife was and how much he would appreciate a new coat for her, the merchant asked rather indignantly, would you have me interrupt my ritual of thanksgiving for such a lowly matter as securing of a coat? And he went on with his incense burning. <clears throat> I think we all get the point, don't we? Samuel said to King Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. That's 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. You remember in the belly of the whale, Jonah prayed to God and he prayed, I will sacrifice unto thee 
with the voice of thanksgiving. Serving God is a very practical matter. Thanksgiving is far more than something that we just feel. It is in its highest and truest form an attitude upon which the pattern of our life is built and it shows in our actions. Many years ago, perhaps long before any of us came on the scene, uh, an unknown, unknown author put into these words what I've been saying this morning. I love you, Mother, said little Nell. I love you more than tongue can tell. Then she fretted and pouted the whole long day till her mother was glad when she ran to play. I love you, Mother, said little John. Then forgetting his work, his cap went on, and he was off to the garden swing, leaving his mother the wood to bring. I love you, Mother, said little Nan. Today I'll help you all I can. So she washed the dishes and swept the floor, bathed the baby, and asked to do more. That night, when all the prayers were said, the children were quiet and tucked in bed. Which of these three children would you guess really loved mother the very best? We come this Thursday once again to observe Thanksgiving Day. It's a day we should look forward to. As you approach this special day once again, ask yourself the question, which pleases God most, thanksgiving or thanks living? Let's pray together. Father, help us to be found pleasing in your sight as this year we make our thanks living to be intelligent, positive, and active. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.